You are listening to Creation Talk, a creation.com podcast, proclaiming the truth to honor the Creator while providing credible answers. Good day, my name is Joe Tay, and this is Keaton Halley. And today we are going to talk about the design argument. So, you know, there's this argument that you know, skeptics like to say. You say, oh, you guys, you always talk about the design argument, but it's nothing more than an argument, what they call the God of the gaps. So what is the design argument and what is the God of the gaps? Yeah, well, the design argument is a way of saying that God exists and it's based on the things that he's made, like Romans 1 talks about. So it's um, looking at different features of the universe and of living things in particular often are a basis for inferring God. You know, that he, these things appear to be designed. We know intelligent designers are capable of producing these effects. And so there must be an intelligence who designed uh, different aspects of nature. So basically what the design argument is saying is that when we look at nature, we see evidence of design that tells yeah. us there has to be a designer. So that a very common rejoinder or a criticism of this argument that you hear all the time uh, is that this plugs up a gap. It's an argument from ignorance. They say it's a God of the gaps argument. God of so, the gaps, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. What that basically means is, you know, many evolutionists will say, well, you know, maybe we don't fully understand how this, dif- this particular feature of nature came about. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just give it time, science will eventually come up with an explanation. And so you're you're a bit too hasty in invoking God. You know, science hasn't explained this feature yet, they say. And so what the creationists do is simply say, science hasn't explained it, therefore God must be the explanation. And you don't think that this is an argument that is correct? Yeah, that's um, really a mischaracterization. Why is that? Of the way. I mean, isn't it true that people in the past used to invoke like, oh, gods must have caused the lightning and wind, you know, the yeah. pagan cultures. So... Yes, why, yeah, it's why true that some people in the past have made God of the gaps types of arguments, and maybe some people still do today, but informed creationists have, have a very different style of argument. So we'll, maybe we'll get into that, we, you know, what our response is in just a minute, but sometimes they do give illustrations like that of, yeah, we used to invoke Zeus to explain lightning, and now we know that has a scientific explanation. And so this is kind of their basis for saying that we should be patient and see that eventually science will will provide us with, with answers and therefore it seems like, you know, the, the liability of this, they say, is that as science explains more and more, there's less and less for God to do and eventually it seems like he's out of a job altogether. So either he doesn't exist at all or um, at least that we're, we're making a mistake when we say science can't explain this, therefore God did it. So they tried to apply this to the design argument that we mentioned earlier on. Yeah. And saying that we have no real basis for invoking God. Okay, so what do creationists say? We say that when we look at nature, we look at the way our eyes are designed, the way the body is designed, it shows design. And they say that we cannot infer. We make specific arguments, right, about like particular features of nature you have in living things, not just the complexity, but the sophistication of the eye, Mm -hmm. um, that it's both complex and a, a precise form that allows vision, that it has this function. Um, things like the bacterial flagellum, this tiny whip-like, what do you call it? A, yes, yes. A structure and a bacteria propel, that propels yes. it, right? That can spin around from a complex motor and motors don't come about by the laws of nature alone and so forth. Maybe we should mention one other way that they argue for this is, or at least another illustration of it, they, they point to cautionary tales from history like 
people like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. So um, who is he? Who is he? He uh, he's an astronomer, astrophysicist, really a popularizer of science who's appeared the on. Basically, he actually denies that label himself. He likes he prefers the term agnostic, but I mean he. Practically speaking, he doesn't believe in the Christian God. He's a fierce opponent of Christianity, mm-hmm. and he's basically a materialist in his outlook. Meaning, he thinks matter is is all there is. There is no God that answers your prayer or performs miracles. So he's one who said Isaac Newton, for example, mm-hmm. you know, came up with a theory of gravity that helped to explain how the planets orbit. And yet, Tyson and others have said that Newton thought over time. The planets would actually um, begin to get out of kilter, mm-hmm. and so the law wouldn't keep these things in their orbits for you know a, a really long period of time, and God would have to every so often step into history and supernaturally kind of adjust things to get the planets mm-hmm. to be stable. And so we'll, we'll respond to that later on as well. Okay. Another thing is they say a theistic evolutionist people who who are Christians and yet claim to believe in evolution. So they would quote Augustine, and Augustine was one of the early church fathers, yeah. and they tried to use this as an argument against what they call the God of the gaps. And this is what uh, Augustine actually wrote. Usually, even a non-Christian knows something about the earth, the heavens, and other elements of this world, about the motion and orbit of the stars, and even their size and relative motion, positions, about the predictability eclipse of the sun and moon, the cycles of the years and the seasons, about the kind of animal, shrubs, stones, and so on. And this knowledge he holds too as being certain from reason and experience. And what he's saying here is that even unbelievers look at the world and they recognize things in, in the world that we see around yeah, us. They know facts about nature. Or what we would call science, right? Observations yeah, about, yeah. About, about the world around us. And Augustine continues, he says this, Now it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for an infidel to hear a Christian presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture talking nonsense on these topics. And we should take all means to prevent such an embarrassing situation in which people show up vast ignorance in a Christian and laugh it to scorn. The shame is not so much that an ignorant individual is derided, but that people outside the household of the faith think our sacred writers held such opinions. And to the great loss of those for whose salvation we told, the writers of our scripture are criticized and rejected as unlearned men. That's that's quite worthy. So let me mm. just try to summarize yeah. what he's saying. So he's saying that unbelievers look at the world around us and they know certain things um, about the world, right? So they know that the sun rises and things like that. Yeah. If a Christian comes along and they try to present arguments about the world around us, which is wrong. So for example, in a modern day context, imagine a Christian coming up to you and say, oh, the Bible teaches flat earth which yeah. by the way, the Bible doesn't teach that. Right. <laughs> but if he claims that, yeah. an unbeliever comes along and say, hey, look, you guys are ignorant. They would, these unbelievers will assume that the Bible is wrong about science. Yeah. And then when the Bible talks about other things like the resurrection and, and things like that, they say, oh, that's not true as yeah. well. They have reason not to even consider the claims of the gospel and so forth if they think the Bible's full of nonsense or the, you know. Yes. I've heard that a lot as well. And, and the point of, these theistic evolutionists bringing up that quote is to say, see, you creationists are doing the same thing yes. when you reject evolution, right? Because evolution is this fact. So I don't have any problem with that quote from Augustine in principle. I, I think he's right that we ought to be cautious and not speak nonsense about things that even unbelievers know. Yes. But 
I think it's just a mistake to apply that to evolution because evolution is not a well-established fact. Yes. And how, how does this really apply to this God of the gaps? You know, the accusation is that Christians are doing the same thing when we say God is necessary to explain the design in nature because a theistic evolutionist would say, no, we know evolution can account for this apparent design. It's not mm -hmm. actual design. Surprisingly, even you know, theistic evolutionists very often reject not just specifics about how creationists understand Genesis, but even using science to infer that God is an intelligent designer, they reject that because they accept what Richard Dawkins called the blind watchmaker thesis, that evolution can account for the complexity and the sophistication in living things, but it's purely an unconscious blind sort of process. So they, you know, it's like theistic evolutionists believe in God, who uses evolution, they say, but, but what does that actually mean? If they accept the blind watchmaker thesis, that means that God used the process that doesn't require him, <laughs> that he's not involved <laughs> in a bl blind, he's, he's directing an undirected process, which is a contradiction in terms. Yeah, which is really strange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I, so just to be clear on this Augustine quote, yeah, it's important not to speak nonsense, but Evolution is not one of those things that's well established. So we're, we're not committing this fallacy, this God of the gaps thing when we reject evolution and infer design. So earlier on, you mentioned Isaac Newton. Do you want to explain what, what's wrong yeah, with that? It, well, it turns out that claim about Newton um, is just factually incorrect. It's an urban legend that Newton um, invoked supernatural things to fix the, the orbits of the planets. No, he, what he said in his Principia is that God sustains the orbits of the planets, but he does that through the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would believe as well. Colossians 1 talks about how Jesus is presently upholding all things, yes. but God works through different ways. He has, he's responsible for supernatural miracles, for the supernatural origin of all things in the beginning, but mm -hmm. he's also behind the laws of nature. Why do the laws of nature work as they do Atheists don't typically address that question. You know, they just assume that that's the way things are. But, but the laws of nature are really more descriptive than prescriptive. Oh yes, because science is descriptive. You just describe yeah. the world around you. Yeah, it doesn't really explain why the planets behave as they do. It just describes how they regularly operate according to this particular law. But what stands behind that law? Well, well, that would be God. So the whole idea that um, Isaac Newton had to invoke invoke God in his model yeah. is just an urban legend. Yeah, he didn't commit the God of the gaps fallacy. And although, again, we ought to be cautious about not doing that ourselves, some of these claims, these historical claims like the Newton story are, are just fabrications. Okay, so what, what are the issues where you say, why does the God of the gaps argument not work? One of the problems I would say is, it, first of all, it's, it's question begging to even make that argument against creationists. Why right? is that? Because to say that there's a, a gap in nature really, on the one hand, acknowledges mm -hmm. that they don't understand the how, you know, how science can explain this allegedly. And what, what they mean by science can explain is they're looking for a naturalistic cause of some mm -hmm. effect. So to, to give a specific, maybe we could talk about the fine-tuning of the universe. They can't explain how that fine-tuning arose through natural means or yes. in, in living things, how the eye came about naturalistically. And so that's where we think there's good reason to believe God is responsible. 
But if they say, well, just wait, just give us more time, science will explain it, that's an assumption on their part. They're assuming that, that a naturalistic explanation will eventually arise. How do they know that? So it's kind of a circular reasoning because they're assuming what they're trying to prove. And yeah. um, by saying God of the gaps, they're kind of admitting that they can't explain it with science. Yeah. Instead, that you Christians are wrong for saying that science, that, as we know it, don't explain it. So God must have done it and say, no, we have to appeal to some unknown science. Yeah, unknown, exactly. Right. <laughs> so so it's the naturalism of the gaps. Yes, yes, that's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there are other problems. I mean, for one thing, I would say, e even when we are just offering negative arguments against evolution mm -hmm. and saying there's good reason to think evolution cannot explain particular features, um, that's not an argument from ignorance. We give particular reasons why we don't think evolution or natural processes are adequate to account for the eye and other features of nature, right? Mm -hmm. can, can you elaborate on that or what, what, why do you mean by that? Sure. Well, think about the origin of life, for example. Yes. We can, you know, be, before life exists, you, you don't have natural selection in operation. And so all you've got to explain how the first living things came about is pure chance processes. Yes. But we can do calculations about the probability of like a protein forming by chance alone. And the, the pro it's extremely improbable. Yes, and right? we've written about that on our website, many yeah. articles about that. So that's a negative argument, just a critique of a naturalistic explanation, but it's based on knowledge. It's not based on yes. ignorance. So it's not the creationist saying that, oh, we cannot explain it with science, something else God must have done. We're really saying that from what we know from science, mm -hmm these things cannot happen yeah, by itself. Yeah. So therefore, we need. And if the live options on the table are between design or non-design, those are kind of mutually exhaustive categories, right? Mm -hmm. So if a naturalistic account can't explain it, then its design is reasonable by, by implication. It's the better explanation. Yeah, I, I think many, many skeptics don't understand that in the Christian worldview that we can hold both the natural or the supernatural views side by side. They do not contradict one another. So we are actually more objective in the sense that if the evidence does say that, hey, this is naturalistic, we can look at science. If you say this has to be supernatural, we can take that. Well, yeah. the, the, the evolutionists are actually pigeon, pigeonholing themselves mm. into just a naturalistic um, explanation. Yeah, because they don't believe in a God that can produce things supernaturally. All they have are... Yes. Uh, naturalistic means. And so that's really a, a sort of a faith position. Exactly. So it's actually the Christian who are actually free to follow the evidence mm -hmm. more than yeah. the evolutionist, so to speak. Uh, here we actually have a quote by Richard Lewontin, and he's actually a very well-known evolutionist and atheist. But yeah, uh, Harvard professor, right? Okay. I, I believe so, one uh, professor. And he actually says this. It is not that the methods and institution of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world. But on the contrary, we are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanation. No matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. So what he's actually saying is that he is forced by his naturalism to attribute a naturalistic explanation, even if the science doesn't lead us 
in yeah. that direction. No matter what the evidence says, I'm going to reject design so because I'm is, a naturalist. So it's know? really a so-called blind faith yeah. by, by the evolutionists here. Yeah, it's quite an, a revealing admission from an evolutionist. He's upfront about his bias. And I think a lot of evolutionists have that same bias but aren't so candid <laughs> yep. in admitting it like Lewontin does. So really this whole God of the gaps argument is really not an issue for the creation, but for the evolutionists, they have, like you say, a naturalism yeah. of the gaps. Yeah. And one more point that we should make, I think maybe this is the most important point of all, is that we also have, it's not just a negative argument, it's also a positive argument, because we're not merely saying natural processes are inadequate to account for these features of the universe and living things, but we know from our experience that intelligent beings are capable of producing these effects. Like information, we find information in the DNA of living things. Yes. Reams of you know, sophisticated you know, programming in the DNA that codes for the proteins that make up these creatures, that code for all the machinery that's inside their cells and things and all yes. the organs and, that are parts of our bodies. How does that, how do those instructions come about? For one thing, we show that natural processes are inadequate to account for information. We don't see, typically, information arising in nature spontaneously. But it's not only that, it's also that we, we look around and we see whenever we find an information source, we can trace it back to an intelligent cause, exactly. ultimately, right? Yes, exactly. Th this, this is like, uh, you know, true in all sorts of scientific disciplines, archaeology, you find an artifact with writing on it in the ground and you infer, oh, it must yes. have been a human being that wrote this inscription, even if you can't read the language or in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, you know, they're looking for signals from outer space, that, that they're looking for particular patterns that wouldn't be explained by natural processes alone that only intelligent beings could create and that's how they would in theory you know say oh that's we've detected you know yes. intelligent beings in outer <laughs> space and that sort of thing which we don't believe is possible yes, so that's that's a good point i think you know they look at all these signals trying to look to space for that because if they find information that's evidence of intelligence yeah. Yeah. out there and then when it comes to biology they look at our dna and they say that there's no intelligent yeah, design yeah, there. can't see how they should turn yes. their telescopes around and, and use microscopes to detect intelligence. <laughs> it's the same, the same principles at work, right? Yes. And for those who would, you know, say, no, no, it's, it's just the God of the gaps explanation. Well, here's an, another analogy that might bring the point home. Imagine that you encounter a, a, a dead body that's got several bullet holes in the back. Yes. And if you're committed, like, like Lewontin is, to a materialistic explanation, then somebody that comes along and says, well, I think it was a design that someone, an intelligent being intentionally murdered this person uh -huh. and say, no, no, that's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> we have to explain this naturalistically. You're, you're invoking a murderer of the gaps sort of thing. Yeah, that's nonsense, yeah. right? Like it's obvious because we know that intelligent beings can produce these effects, dead bodies with bullet holes and natural processes don't <laughs> produce those same effects that we can infer design, and that's not uh, a murderer of the gaps fallacy. <laughs> okay, that's excellent. Well, I think we can just summarize uh, what we've covered today. You know, we've considered this accusation of the, the God of the gaps fallacy that's thrown at creationists and intelligent design proponents all the time. Um, but informed creationists do not commit this fallacy. The way we argue is not merely to say, we don't know how this happened, therefore God did it. 
No, mm -hmm. it's based on our knowledge of how naturalistic processes are inadequate and intelligent designers are capable of producing the specific features that we find in nature. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoy our discussion, check our other YouTube videos that we have. And don't forget to leave a comment. Let us know how our information has impacted your life. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you.